it was just on a whim I started incorporating some postcards and I really loved the quality I was getting from them and it was kind of a beautiful thing you know any artist has to kind of give themselves rules that they're working from and so with these postcards I didn't have to so much think about where the imagery was coming from I had it right there so I could give myself other rules to work within you know the imagery was kind of already there with the postcards. It was a matter of mixing them together into something new. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 99th episode, we have artist Scott Dixon from Kansas City. He's talking about his work in a show that's coming down just now called We Are Not This Body at Plug Projects in Kansas City. So if you do have time, it's still up through Saturday, so go see it. And you can check out his work at stateofscott.com. If this is the first time you heard a studio break, we are a podcast and blog site, and we have all these different interviews and posts with different artists, so please check them out. You can see we've got a variety of different artists with different approaches. You have links to their websites as well as images and these lengthy interviews discussing you know, how they came to doing what they do and all the reasons why. So please check them all out and, of course, share them with those handy share buttons. We'd really appreciate it. You can also subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. Just search for Studio Break on our podcast or use that link to subscribe in the iTunes store. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break and, of course, our Facebook page. So please reach out and say hello. All right, here is our interview with Scott. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. I'm really happy to be joined this morning by Scott Dixon. How are you doing? Doing very good. How are you? I'm excellent. You know, we're we're just talking about uh, it's big CA week and you managed to find the time. So again, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And and again, really enjoy the work. So um, if you could just remind everybody, uh, I like to do that at the beginning is, uh, could you just tell tell everybody where to go? To see my work, yeah. It's www.stateofscott.com. I, I have a common enough name that I was not able to get, you know, my name as my my web address. But I think this works out kind of um, as as kind of a, a lead into my work. That that's interesting. And I, and again, maybe something that will lead to your ultimate like plan of taking this person down that owns owns your name dot com. Yeah, there's this Canadian artist that has my name and. Um, I need to contact him and say, let me buy it from you. Yeah. You know, that could be a story in and of itself, but it, it, it could be, it could be one of also my tangents that that should be edited. So we'll, we'll see if that makes it. That's all right. I recently became familiar with your work and, and you deal with mostly, I guess, um, collage postcards. Is that right? Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Awesome. So again, we, we will talk about that. So again, what, what kind of experiences did you have growing up? Were you, were you into arts? Were you into, I don't know, BMX biking or, or what? Well, you know, always drawing like everybody else, you know, growing up. Um, so I, I see myself as a draftsman first and foremost. Kind of the earliest memories I have are my uncle would draw these muscle cars that you would see in those cartoon magazines from, I don't know, the 60s, 70s, um, and he would draw them and I would try to reproduce his drawings. So it's kind of that, that act of seeing something come to life kind of first 
really caught with me. In drawing from car magazines, we'd go to the Chicago Auto Show all the time, and I'd gather all the different magazines and books and bring them home and draw from them. And then started taking some more formal classes that you know the community offered, and that kind of that led me into more formal classes in art in high school. Was it always like a two D approach, or did you? kind of study other things again it's it's weird because some high schools have like you know the most ridiculous setups in terms of i don't, I don't know that anybody have, have like hot shops but you know it, like some of them are really elaborate so it's always such a variant you know yeah my high school had a pretty good range i would say you know comparing them maybe to other schools kind of in the middle they had the full range of the 2d and i did take a lot of uh, ceramics classes so starting in the 2d drawing painting doing some collage work actually in high school but then i found a lot of interest in uh ceramics um being being a lover of star wars i always thought you know maybe i'd be the person that sculpted all those characters not realizing that today it's all done on computers but you know ceramics was kind of my love going out of high school and looking into colleges, doing 3D work. But in high school, I kind of mixed in back and forth and spent a lot of my time in those classrooms, even though, you know, I was probably supposed to be elsewhere. You should have been going to the football games, <laughs> is, is what you're saying. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was I was an athlete growing up, and I, I did all the, the athletics in the high school, and I was on the football team. And then at some point, I was like, this really kind of isn't who I am. Right, right. And so... About sophomore year, I, I kind of realized, you know, I'm this other person. I, I'm an artist. I'm a musician. So I started kind of hanging around in those groups a bit more. But I was kind of a everybody in all different types of groups. You know, I just I just introduced my class yesterday. And, and one of the things that's so interesting is listening to people give their responses about, you know, what you know, what they want to do. And they they range so much. So I think it's especially just interesting to, to think about when people kind of make that decision for themselves, you know, because it. I think it comes early for some and, and later for others and through experience and all that. Yeah, I was dancing around, you know, between, you know, more uh, maybe you could say traditional paths for college and then also art and music. And I don't know, like, I think high school is the biggest time where you learn a lot about yourself and it's kind of pivotal. So uh, at some point I decided this was the direction I was going to take. And so were you studying then ceramics when you started or? Well, when I was looking at schools, I was thinking, you know, sculpture, ceramics, and kind of looking back, I'm surprised parents and myself, we didn't go more towards the art and design college route. I mean, being in Chicago, or the suburbs of Chicago, we had SAIC right there, but I didn't give it a, a thought, really. I was looking at state schools. That's where my brother went. My parents went to state schools. So I, I guess I thought that's, that's what you did. So I went about looking at various state schools. And uh, I think like any artist, we want to kind of be different from everybody else. So I looked at Kansas. It's like, why would you want to move to Kansas? But uh, they had a great art department. And uh, looking at other schools, I did end up there and went into sculpture, 3D work. That didn't last long, though. Yeah. So what's the what's the story about that? <laughs> and again, it's interesting because I think about like the there's still such a level it looks like a process or like, um, I don't know, just just in your current work, being able to take something and, you know, carefully kind of construct it. So it makes me just wonder if there's some methodical, you know, nature about you where all of your like record albums are alphabetized and catalog but may maybe not yeah. so but what what was it that like kind of pushed you uh, uh towards uh i guess a more 2d approach then i think it boils down to being the opposite of that measure twice cut once type mm -hmm. of person i think that's why i liked clay because it was you could constantly edit 
and manipulate it. Mm -hmm. But in those sculpture classes, you know, first year we were working with metal and wood, you know, doing a lot of welding and probably being young, but constantly worked myself into a hole. And you'd start with this big piece of material. And for me, by the end, I was, by the time I was done, I didn't have much material left because I wasn't that great at planning. And I think in the long run, that's where collage comes into play is I have that chance to constantly cut away and add and it's never really done. I can keep working on it. But so yeah, sculpture lasted for about a year, maybe a little bit less than a year. And I loved it. I loved the professors. I loved the way of thinking. I loved sketching out my ideas on a, on a notebook, but the execution of it was always uh, difficult. So I did move into painting and I felt a home there immediately. Again, even just the, the way that I've been looking at your, your recent work, you know, the way that you can add and subtract to, you know, something like clay is, is very interesting just in, in the way that it kind of reminds me of the current work. So it makes me wonder, I mean, what were you, were you kind of interested in, in working representationally? Were you working abstractly? Because again, you kind of still borrow certain elements of it. And it's certainly, again, maybe might be a little bit overstated to think you're a sophomore or whatever and you're like i know exactly what i want to do but you know there's still that balance between you know abstraction and representation so i'm curious if that's something that i don't know is always kind of there the representation came in later in in undergrad you know taking all those art history courses i fell in love with the 1950s abstract expressionists so you know infatuated with de kooning and and all that so i i had worked non-objectively pretty much throughout my undergrad experience. And I was really in love with materials. What, you know, whatever gooey and thick and chunky materials I could find, that's what I wanted to work with and work directly through that material, not really considering what I was painting. I didn't even think about that at all. And looking back, I kind of wish I had because it came later and I'm still kind of formulating. I think that's maybe, maybe that's how the faculty worked at KU. You know, the ones I was working with at least closely, they were materials-based painters. Well, it's it's interesting, though, that you say that, because I think, again, from just doing this, I realize, you know, again, there's so many different paths that people take. And so how did it work then in terms of, like, what did you wind up leaving with undergraduate with? Because I'm, I'm guessing that transition eventually started showing up in, in graduate school, but I don't know. You, you, you tell me, Scott. It definitely did. It was kind of a mixture of taking um, printmaking electives where I started to develop more of a sense of craft. I think, if anything, that's what I really gained from that and slowing down a bit more and thinking about some type of um, process. And then kind of in conjunction with that, I stumbled upon the work of Conrad Marcarelli. He was in the 1950s kind of realm, just not as well known as you know the people that we know. But he had taken canvas and painting on it and then cutting it up and then kind of arranging them into these large formations. And so I really fell in love with that chance to, going back to that editing, that need for editing, I had these paintings that were abstract, a lot of materials, but they weren't quite working. So I started cutting them up and rearranging them in different ways and using caulk to glue it down, and that became a material and staples. So using printmaking as the process and thinking about a little bit higher level of craft and then this collage idea, that's kind of what I left undergrad with and then going into my graduate studies. That was kind of funny, too, because when I got to Philadelphia, I went to the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, and it's it's a school that has, you know, it's very academic. You know, most of the people there are painting in this beautiful, realistic, representational way. And I, I went there for various different reasons, but immediately was, you know, I'm at this place. What kind of work am I making? It's completely different than everybody else here. Mm-hmm. 
So my first year, it was kind of coming to terms with the student body that I was with in my graduate kind of class. So I did a lot of different experimentations, you know, some illustrative-like work, trying to paint like these other people and like realizing that that's not really who I was. Mm-hmm. So it was my second year that I was like, no, okay, you know, going back, let me look at what I was doing in my undergraduate studies. That's, that's, that was me. But then trying to bring some content into it that wasn't there before. Well, and that kind of brings up something interesting to maybe think about, too. As we were talking about earlier, you have, like, a, a bunch of bunch of work going on right now. Yeah. But I'm especially curious, like, how that idea of content kind of starts creeping in there, too. Because I think, again, you know, people kind of maybe tend to work in, I don't know, certain ways. But, like, in the sense that, like, something uh, like content might be more important one way or, you know, you might not have a real attachment to I don't know, sitting and laboring through something. You might be kind of interested in something else. So what, what's, what's that level of content? Even at that time, I mean, what, what were you really interested in doing? The content came, you know, I didn't want something to be so direct because I did love, you know, abstraction and people looking at for the material. So I didn't want to just tell a story. I didn't want to lead the viewer too much with my imagery. So I wanted it to kind of be vague a little bit. And I was thinking about, you know, what was unique to me. And I think it came from doing a lot of, starting to do a lot of backpacking with my now wife. She kind of turned me on to it. She's from Colorado. Mm-hmm. So I think those, it was this kind of nature that came into my work and this idea of travel through a natural landscape and kind of things and forms that you see in that inner kind of feel that you get when you're amongst this grand uh, world once you get out of the city in your interaction with it. So that's where the content started to come from was this experience of nature. And, th- and this was during graduate school. This was during graduate school. You had talked to me uh, before we started recording. So again, you're you're a, a Wheaton uh, native, which is yeah. kind of ironic since I'm uh, recording this from Wheaton. But is that something that also kind of you thought about, like in terms of living in Chicago, Kansas City, maybe being around these different places? Have you, did you do a lot of traveling? And I don't know, did that become kind of interesting to you as, you know, kind of you're describing a little bit? Yeah, definitely travel, um, you know, constantly moving, whether it was driving, you know, back and forth from from Lawrence to Chicago. You know, I did a lot of that for holidays and whatnot, and then driving from Lawrence to Denver to be with my wife's family, um, and then traveling to Philly and going going to the uh, ocean a lot. I felt like I was constantly, you know, bouncing back around, taking in, especially the Midwest landscape, you know, back and forth from Kansas to Chicago, I'd drive through Iowa. And you're this little, this little body moving through this vast open area. The Midwest really is beautiful. I, uh, I, it's hard. It's hard for me sometimes when people say that it's a flyover state, you know, the right, Midwest. Right. But it really is just so beautiful in a, in a different way um, than you might get on the coasts. Well, so again, I, that that travel and feeling small within something very large. There's a lot of artists that I've talked to, you know, certainly just based on on some of my interests in landscape and and kind of you know being in the being from the Midwest and what that means. Um, it's interesting to to see the way people kind of react to that, react to location, especially because you have so many so many ranges to it. And I think a lot of times for me, I, I can respond to that kind of very meditative practice of like being in the being in the car on the road, you know, and just kind of having hours of being able to look out the window. Yeah, I mean, it's really contemplative. You have, you know, I had eight hours in the car, and it's subtle changes in the landscape, too, that is that I think really is striking. And, and did that have, like, a direct impact on the work, or was it something that you were um, just kind of using as, like, a, a place to start from then when you kind of incorporated, 
you know, more of these, I guess, pictorial kind of scenes or like places that were referencing landscape? Yeah, that was, I mean, that was kind of the, the start of, okay, this is where I'm going to kind of s- s- sit for a while and make work about. And then, you know, like I said, with the backpacking and then just this, well, I guess this past year, my wife and I hiked the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine. So it's a constant interest with this moving through this, this landscape and where our, our structures break a natural landscape. You know, whether it's a billboard while you're driving or a satellite tower in the middle of the woods. So these different kind of visual structures and architectures, whether they're man-made or natural, became a visual interest. It's like visual research. It really is. For sure. And there's something really interesting about that, too, because, again, you think of like the there's a lot of figuration in some of the work, you know, or at least like figure ground relationships. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting to think about that, like things that are obstructing the natural landscape, because, again, you kind of travel anywhere that could be buildings in one place. It could be, you know, these weird like. I don't know, factories that were part of, you know, some steel mining town that have, you know, long since been just, you know, kind of crumbling and falling apart. And again, yeah, sometimes it is those billboard signs. So it's interesting to think about that as being kind of like a a visual research. And it it makes me wonder then, too, I mean, is there are there things that you were kind of researching aside from that that you were kind of drawing from at all? And again, I mean, it might maybe that's too pointed of a question. Maybe it's just an artist or touching upon your comment. I it is a visual thing, but also, you know, when you stand in front of whatever structure it is, I think there's a certain type of an individual memory, whatever it might be, or kind of feeling that you get from, you know, whether you stand in front of a billboard, like you said, or, you know, a huge factory or this a huge tree or mountain or whatever it is. I think everyone has some type of relationship to it that's uniquely theirs from maybe it was I don't know, some point in their lives, they can relate to it. So we all have this kind of memory somehow ingrained in us. And I feel like I'm trying to grasp that memory, whatever it might be. And it kind of makes me want to bring up one of your bodies of work, or at least your oldest body of work, which is, I guess, this, is it uh, the Tidal Wave series? Yeah, there's a few pieces on my website from that series. I'm assuming this is kind of towards the end of graduate school. Yeah. You know, and again, kind of noticing it, you know, in relationship to, to the, the work that you're currently making. Again, there's a lot more hand cut things. It looks like there's more of your hand in there. I believe there's some that are even kind of more sculptural. So was that kind of that process that you're utilizing at the time where you're, again, kind of still doing a ton of things by hand? Because I'm especially interested in, in talking about that, but then, you know, how you moved on from there. Yeah, the materials then still were really important. So I was, you know, painting my own paper you know, using various different inks and pens and colored pencils and white out. So I still had a love of materials. I still do. But then it was much more uh, present in the work. And they're a bit more rough and kind of chunky with the cuts. But that's really where I started doing this inlay process where the pieces are like jigsaw puzzles. So it's that slow craft mixed with that fast craft of materials. If that makes sense. You know, we've, we've talked about process a couple of times. I mean, are you kind of starting from a place where you're giving yourself an idea of an outline of like, you know, what this piece is going to be about? And that could be like based off of the materials is, or is it something that you're kind of like reacting from like one piece to the next? Yeah, they come about really intuitively. I had this form I was working with that kind of looks like a wave. Mm hmm. If you see, that's kind of repeated over and over and over again. Um, that was kind of the start of these pieces. So I would kind of create these wave-like patterns and then, uh, you know, go from there, whether it's adding some text in some areas and they kind of built from there. So kind of from the center out, those pieces developed. 
in that kind of way. And I mean, was there like a, so, so in terms of like relationship to this idea of the wave, I mean, what was, was there a narrative story in that or was it? Yeah, those were kind of, again, that same idea of being in front of this large body and this happened to be a body of water. Growing up, my family, we, we took trips to the Jersey Shore a lot. So kind of bringing up those memories of standing in front of this huge horizon and, you know, the waves crashing in and out and just that kind of nostalgia, I guess, that you got from that and then revisiting those areas later in my life. So a lot of them's based on, a lot of those pieces are based on that memory. So what led you to, to kind of pull away from that? I mean, I'm guessing, obviously this is 2009, so I mean, we're, we're covering a good chunk of time. Yeah. But I mean, what, what started uh, pulling you away from that? And especially like what, what led you towards uh, using, you know, found postcards or bought postcards? I'm, I'm assuming you don't steal them. So. No. Um, so, well, in graduate school, you're afforded such a beautiful, well, I was at least uh, a beautiful studio space. And uh, so I had a large space to work and that, you know, we're really pushed to think about uh, our materials. But like anybody, I think when you're out of grad, grad school, you have to start thinking about how do I make this a practice that fits, you know, maybe working in an apartment. And that's, that's what happened to me. I went from this great studio space to working at my little, you know, three by three kitchen table. Mm-hmm. and trying to make that work for me. So I started working more, you know, flat on the table instead of up against the wall, like mm-hmm. a traditional painter would. Um, and then thinking about materials, where are they coming from? You know, I was hand painting my own. And then it was just on a whim, I started incorporating some postcards. And I really loved the quality I was getting from them. And it was kind of a beautiful thing. You know, any artist has to kind of give themselves rules that they're working from. And so with these postcards, I didn't have to so much think about where the imagery was coming from. I had it right there so I could give myself other rules to work within. You know, the imagery was kind of already there with the postcards. It was a matter of mixing them together into something new. So I started collecting postcards and you can do it so easily nowadays. You can buy hundreds at a time. So I have this huge catalog of of imagery to work from. So that's where the postcards started to come in. And I started moving away from the uh, hand-painted, you know, materials and strictly using postcards, tape, in paper there's a there's a number of bodies of works again it's hard to pin down because i'm starting to look at some of them and i'm like this reminds me of like an altar whereas like this reminds me of an object or like a living room or you know yeah. but there's again there's a lot of this to me anyways like an about an idea of you know how we perceive these things how they're changing and i really like how we, the postcard in and of itself is such an interesting thing because well exactly you know we're talking we're talking about these very individual kind of memories but at the same time you know it's such a commercial thing is there was there something that you kind of loved about that yeah the postcard it's such i mean it's a beautiful object we all i think have have held one and have relationships to a postcard although they're not really used too much today they're alive with so many memories whether it was the person that photographed that scene you know and then somebody bought it and experience that place themselves and sent it to somebody else to experience it and then you might dig them up later and i mean so they have so such a deep narrative within one postcard that i i really love and i want to add my own narrative to it why don't i combine these narratives into a larger story by mixing these postcards into a single piece so i think the postcard became very very important to me you know i've had people say why don't you use this material, that material, especially if I wanted to start working larger, but I would lose that sense of story and narrative that I care so much about. 
you know, like you can kind of jump around you're in, and you can kind of like work. I mean, again, as someone that has recently dealt with moving into a small space, it, you run out of room real quick, you know, yeah. so to be able to kind of have a, a number of different things to work on at that scale and, and not have to worry about, you know, finding somebody who will lend you their miter saw. Or... That's true. I mean, when you bring it down to a, uh, you know, what's feasible, what can I do? in my studio right now. But does that free you up to do something then too, to be able to just work immediately with something that's, that's, you know, purchased. It's not like labored over. Yeah. I can, you know, work on many pieces at one time. I have at any point, you know, five, six pieces going on. And sometimes I'll, you know, sit and make these little postcard pieces, the moment monument series. I can go through 10 of those in a, you know, in a day and really, go through a lot of visual ideas quickly and then I can also have a few larger pieces going on at the same time that have different issues that I'm working with. So it is that opportunity to have a lot of things going that I like about working with the postcards. And like I said, this huge catalog of imagery from current imagery all the way, you know, I get some really, really old postcards that have their own qualities to them. Again, it doesn't sound like you're consciously starting like a, a, a bunch of different series, but did they all kind of emerge at the same time, roughly? Or yeah, they do. So, how, how does that process work? Well, it's funny. I, I mean, I don't see myself as a, a collage-based artist, although I think I've come to terms that I that I am. Um, I mean, I'm kind of working with direct techniques, but I approach them, especially the larger pieces. I approach them, I think, more like a painter would. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to layer various imagery from you know, different sources in mixing them into one. They're all coming roughly from, you know, these nature postcards. And it's like, you know, a bunch of different uh, strokes of paint that are coming together to create these new images um, that's singular, not images colliding with each other that I think a lot of collage is about. No, I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense. In some ways, maybe the most straightforward series are the fault line ones. Yeah. So those are combining places that look similar or places that are from the same place? Or how, how, do, how what are those like? That fault line series is really straightforward. It's a single card um, just cut at various, you know, horizontal marks and kind of rearranged to kind of break up that space. So taking the idea if you looked at something and blinked and blinked again, how we take the information in of one singular image. It's kind of that, that concept. Right. And it's interesting, too, because it might be then like a fragment of something. Exactly. You know, or the way that something is certain things are focused or not focused. So. Yep, that's that's a pretty straightforward um, body of work there. It certainly seems to me like it allows that like level of freedom to be able to kind of move in between. I approach it. I I, I just kind of keep trying to find different ways to use this singular material because that you you can you have this postcard that you can cut so many different ways. So what happens if you just use that single postcard and cut it different ways? What happens if you only put two together? What happens if you, you know, try to isolate a certain color in one piece? So like right now I'm working on a lot of just black and white pieces and you know, how do you harvest those various different whites and blacks and grays into one piece? That's just color base now what happens if i try to bring this image into that image um so it just offers so many different avenues are there different rules then for the different series the moment monument series the rule is to try to find a a piece that has a monument and uh replacing it with something that feels out of place from the future from the past something that maybe uh some question you know why was that thing built and who was it built by? What's it trying to commemorate like a, you know, a, a monument would? So those have fairly straight um, 
rules that I'm trying to work with. The other thing that I like about them is that they also feel very kind of like old and, and I don't know. They don't think, I don't think about them the way that I think of a postcard, you know, like that I'd pick up at the store today. I want them to feel old and new at the same time. So it's kind of a cross section bouncing back and forth of questioning when. I think that's, you know, time is such an interesting thing to think about. So, and when people see them, I want them to feel some type of connection to the place. Maybe it's not exactly that place, but, you know, oh, I can feel like I was there or that time of year, whether it's the summer or winter, um, and find some type of connection to it. And then think of something new as that old postcard is being interrupted by this new form and being, and, and have somebody questioning that. Well, and I think it's interesting the the scale of them too. I mean, we've 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 kept saying postcards, postcards, but I mean at the same time, it's we're talking about five inches high. So there's something to me that's interesting about taking, especially something that's supposed to be, you know, like this kind of reminder of like a monumental type thing. But you know, like this other moment. Exactly. I think for those small pieces uh, and for those monuments here, it is important that it's small. Because they're monuments, but they've been reduced into these kind of, you know, something that can be exchanged or viewed at at a very close level. I want people to get into and look at a very close level to the pieces so they have that kind of intimacy um, that, you know, a huge monumental painting. And it seems like, again, some of them also then seem wind up becoming like a diagram almost. So like the, the series that's also on your on your site. Multitude of Actuality. So <laughs> it's kind of a heavy title. <laughs> that series... I definitely look at more painterly. They're kind of, um, you could call them altars in a way that have that central kind of motif that break out from them. So they're symmetrical on both sides. They break apart kind of like a, like a diagram, like you were saying. And that title comes from experiencing, you know, all the different experiences of one day or whatever period of time it might be, one month, and trying to incorporate them all into this singular vision, I suppose. So they have that time again built into them. And they kind of spread out that way. Some of these are also a little bit larger as well. Yeah, those are, you know, in the 20 to middle 20, you know, kind of inch realm, which, again, is small by other comparisons, but fairly large when you're just using postcards and paper um, to kind of build them up. And that's how they, they kind of came to be was I wanted to be able to find a way to work larger. Going back to undergrad, I was working, you know, six feet by six feet large paintings and I miss that. I, I miss that sense of scale because they do have something kind of different that they offer when they're a little bit larger. So it was a way of problem solving. How can I make these pieces larger? So I started using more of the fragments from the postcards instead of the whole image that the smaller pieces have. And they built out that way. And they became these kind of, like I said, altars or utopic forms of what the world is or can be. If it, you know, If you go out to experience it in an active way. I guess I say that diagram aspect of it too because everything you start like going like okay this looks like it's mirrored yeah um it's just a matter of trying to match them up i mean they're not actually mirrored but it's a it's a painstaking process of trying to match up the colors and the textures and i try to give enough of a subtle difference that they become visually interesting you know in person um that you don't immediately get it as a mirrored image that there are little hiccups here and there no there's there's something interesting about that idea of kind of looking at something that you think of immediately as you know being this perfect thing spend some time with it and see that there's there's something more going on with it yeah, you know, I've got my craft up to a certain degree that I think is very clean and precise, but I do want the viewer to have that experience, or at least close enough to the experience of looking at something and falling in love with the making of it 
So, you know, some things that are so precise, they become very sterile. I want them to have this feeling of love and warmth of that handmade. Um, So in person, they do start to, uh, the surfaces are, I think, you know, very interesting to look at and the different quality of the postcards, whether they're matte or glossy and how they're cut and little like hiccups of the blade along the paper, I think, you know, are the beautiful things when you look at them very close. How are they built up, I guess, to, are are they flat? Yeah, they're flat. Again, they're built like jigsaw puzzles. So if I want to put a piece in, I have to cut the paper away and inlay the new piece and then they're delicately taped on the back. So the backs are I think pretty gorgeous as well, seeing all the layers of tape holding it all together in a very gentle way. So they're pretty fragile, but the surface is completely flat. That was important to me. Um, Again, coming from that painting background, I didn't want them to build up like maybe a traditional collage piece would. I wanted that single layer. How is that process for you? Do you like tend to work on you know, one straight through? Because it certainly seems like, again, where we started out with the, the Wave series, it seems like that might be something that is really obsessive like that. But these ones, it might it might seem especially like they become so minimal in some ends. You know, like I'm thinking it's like the Future Formation series. Yeah. You know, there's there some of them become so spare. Yeah, the different bodies of work have different ways of working. Like those smaller pieces, the Future Formation or Moment Monument, are uh, they're more calculated decisions so i'm not making a lot of cuts more or less i need to so i'll spend you know a couple hours just flipping through the cards you know looking for things that strike me in one way or another and then i'll make a decision of where that's going to go on this other card and kind of bring them together very quickly so those pieces the actual execution is pretty quick but the choice and selection of imagery can be a couple hours. Now, the larger pieces, those get worked over intensely. I'll cut and recut and take things out, put them in. And so those are quicker decisions in terms of imagery, but execution is a lot more involved. I kind of liken them to uh, quilting, where you're flipping them over back and forth, back and forth, you know, with the stitch line and a quilt, but the cut line and the tape on these on these pieces. So the pieces are getting flipped over, flipped over, flipped over, cut, recut. So a lot of times... The original material is all scrapped because I'll have cut it all away at some point in time. So they have a lot of history that you don't see in the final piece. It's interesting. And it... The studio is a mess from all the cut away paper and postcards, but the final pieces look very clean and precise and look like there weren't, you know, all these decisions put into them. It's interesting, but it makes me wonder, like, when, when that bag of uh, uh, scrap postcards is going to wind up uh, becoming a, a body of work in and of itself. <laughs> I've had to. I, I've, I've carried those around with me for so long now. I We made another move here to Kansas City. I had to part ways with it, but I'm quickly building up another collection of scraps (laughs) before you know how you've kind of different didn't think about them as different series but you know there's something that's interesting to me because you might be working on on one one particular piece that kind of feeds into something else does that does that happen a lot when you're working definitely um they do feed into each other and it could be some type of formal relationship or uh color relationship or idea, you know, that sparks into this other large piece or smaller piece. So I might spend an hour on, you know, something that's more uh, labor intensive and see something in it that I need to go and explore in these smaller pieces. And I, for a while, was seeing these smaller pieces as sketches. I mean, I don't do any preparatory work. I don't really keep a sketchbook. 
Um, so the smaller pieces were acting as that because they were much quicker decisions. Um, but that started to inform the larger pieces and vice versa. So they, they do bounce back based on various different things. And, and do any of them ever start just with, I don't know, just some aspect of a postcard that you want to keep? Oh, yeah. I think the textures are really interesting, you know, and especially when you kind of remove them from the context. Yeah, you know, it might be that visual texture that, you know, maybe it's a body of water, like you said, a tree, branch, the bark. The colors, I love the colors of the skies in the old postcards, the linen ones that were, you know, offset lithographs. Those have beautiful qualities to them. Sometimes it's like a a shape or an image, rather. So it might be the dress of a woman, and I'll cut that dress out and see what it looks like amongst this landscape. So trying to bring different things in different contexts. So there's a bunch of different reasons why I'll cut a part out of a postcard depending what the need is in the piece it's crazy to me for me to think like yeah wow you know like really high quality printed postcards especially you know the way that you think about them is so throwaway now are there moments that kind of creates a discussion about materiality they start to have a good conversation with each other when you put the two different histories of the cards together or even seeing you know a more modern postcard that has modern architecture in it and placing that amongst a postcard that is from the 50s. So again, the, they have conversations with with each other that I'm interested in. And now recently, trying to bring in other materials, and I, I, I foresee myself moving more back into painting hand-painted papers um, because I'm using, you know, metallic paper, holographic paper, and having fun with what else can I incorporate into these this postcard kind of realm. You were talking also how you ha- you currently have a, a show at Plug Projects. Yeah. So w- what's going on there? What's what's that exhibition about? My first solo exhibition here in Kansas City at Plug Projects. It's an artist-run and curated space. Great people to work with. We had talked about a year ago about doing this, um, and then we kind of interrupted it with this through hike of the Appalachian Trail. And that coming back from that, you know, developed this whole new body of work, which. Is, is I'm still exploring and loving um, working through. So they gave me some time to kind of work through those ideas, and that's where this new material kind of came into play, these kind of glossy papers and things that you would find at maybe a craft store that maybe could be tacky in one context, but I'm trying to bring them into this kind of fine art context. And the way I'm using them is to uh, this transcendence that you have um, that I had out there in the woods, this almost spiritual quality to being out there. I'm mean, not to say I'm a, I'm a religious person, but the spiritual kind of other body that you start to develop while you're out there in isolation, you stop thinking about the normal cares of the everyday world and you start having this kind of commune with the world. Um, that's what this body of work started to really become. And I had this buddy send me a bunch of ways of thinking um, from Eastern religions about how we are this, we aren't ourselves, we're just this body that's kind of going through space and the spirit or what's inside of you is kind of who you are. So that's where the title of the show came to be. It's we're not this body. It's we're, it's our experiences. It's that kind of inner self. Um, that's kind of what I became interested in with this new body of work. What kind of, what kind of reaction do you wind up getting from your viewers typically? I mean, do they kind of get some of the things that you're, that you're after or come up with things that you're like, what? No, I think uh, it's been the exciting thing is that people seem to be right on the same page of kind of what I'm going for and go, you know, with that cleanliness, I think that's coming from my, you know, printmaking classes I had taken, you know, getting into that craft and process. But people, I think, initially say, oh, man, they're so perfect. But when they spend time with them, they start to feel that kind of warmth 
that you get from um, the handmade. And so they're responding saying, you know, I have, I feel like I've had that same memory or feeling that you had at that place. Or I, they respond to this idea of travel and time. So I, it's been exciting. Well, it, and it's interesting too, to be able to kind of think about something that's so, so ephemeral, the idea of memory. Yeah. And something that's so, so fleeting, something that changes and can be kind of you know, open to be changed. You start seeing landscapes and, and people have all these experiences that they kind of want to bring to it. So I don't know, there's, there's something interesting about that. I like how you say that people are bringing their own thing to it. And that kind of goes back to the postcards because again, you might send a postcard to somebody and they bring their own memories to something. They might not have been to that place, but they, something comes from inside their brain or wherever that they can relate to it. So people have found a way to kind of relate to the work. And that's been great. I mean, I was working purely from non-objective sources and I've, I've been so happy to be able to incorporate some type of imagery um, with that abstraction because stories become important in that type of content. People want to me want to have these kind of genuine moments with things. They do. To make them completely abstracted, um, it's kind of like a, a bit of trickery on your part. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something built into just using postcards that you're going to have that that pull away, especially about maybe landscape and, and these places and, you know, like, what do they all mean? But is that, I don't know, is that ultimately like super important to you or is that something that you almost don't have to think about it? Well, that's where I see the work going. Um, even as, even as I sit in the studio today and, you know, kind of thinking about what's coming down the pipe, I see myself trying to take the viewer further, moving away from direct, um, representation of landscapes. So they're becoming, I, I would think, maybe even more abstract. It's kind of a, a dance, a play. You know, how much do I want to retain from these cards and how much do I want to abstract from them? And I'm kind of excited where, to see where that's going. I don't want to, I don't want to lose it all though. I, I love, I love that, that sense of place still. So I was going to ask, are there any kind of like landscapes that you pull from or sources that you pull from to kind of push that especially that abstract quality in your work, or is it all something that you've kind of based off of this formal language that you've developed? I think more and more it's becoming that formal language um, that I'm working, that I, that I've kind of developed. And it seems to have come kind of full circle because they were being pulled from direct sources for a while. And then I've brought more of my sense of abstraction back into it. So I've started to develop, I don't know if formula is the right word to say, but I've started to develop a, a way of making these that is starting to lead the process a bit more than trying to uh, pull from other sources of photographs and books that I have and uh, imagery like that. But, I mean, since they're so based on a memory, I don't, I don't have to worry so much about trying to pull directly from one thing or another. I mean, I love landscape painting, and, you know, there's kind of a scene here of um, plain air painting that I think is really intriguing. But I don't, I'm not so much interested in that direct representation of something. I, I want it to be more of a uh, culmination of, of places. And I think maybe, too, in terms of just uh, stuffing that's more tangential. Yeah. You know, like I, I, re like I remember um, a couple of years ago I was watching the movie Chinatown, and there's this, like, apartment complex in it that's really strange. And so I'm, like, taking photographs of my television. <laughs> I've done you know, that before. And, and I guess that's kind of what I mean. I mean, like, I, you take notice of these, like, landscapes. For me, especially, like, in movies, I mean, I, I guess I was thinking about it in terms of that. I mean, are there, like, other worldly oh, yeah. bodies that you look at or anything else like that? Oh, definitely. I mean, 
it's funny taking photographs of your TV. I've done that same thing recently. <laughs> uh, um, I was playing a bit. Something that's kind of been on the back of my mind recently is playing the original Legend of Zelda on, on NES and going back through my childhood of video games. And that game has exactly what I want my work to kind of be right. in this weird, funny way. It's this game where you're thrown into this world without any instruction of how to explore or how to look. And they, they want you to have it unfold in front of you. Um, and it's kind of this magical place and you have to explore it. And, you know, I found that so interesting. So I was taking screenshots and things of this game and playing through it. It's starting to come into my work of this kind of, um, this land that feels for, uh, familiar but unfamiliar, and you're kind of exploring it and going into these weird caves and places that it's this kind of magical world that I, I really love. It's funny because you, you bring up The Legend of Zelda, and it kind of immediately brings me back to being a kid and, you know, left to kind of wander this world and, and figure out what's going on. And it makes me think of uh, games like Myst, where you had to find the blue pages if anybody played Myst, but... Um... It kind of reminds me of that, even the work, you know, the way that you're kind of like led to this clue that you don't quite know what to do with, you know? They all have these built-in mythologies that is so mysterious and you just want to learn more. And you want to, like you said, investigate. You're, you're given this clue and it's so confusing. But you, oh man, it's that, that sense of exploration that is so exciting. And is, is that something that you think about then, like in terms of relationship to your work then, in terms of the way that video games like that, you know, really kind of, I don't know, kind of build that skill, I guess? I don't know. Definitely. Definitely. It's funny. I mean, I think about those things, but then they kind of fade into the background and it's great to have them bubble up here because it just gets me so excited to start making more work now because, I mean, you can call it kind of nerdy, but yeah, it's that, that sense of... Some of mystery that I love. One of the things that I, I think of interviewing a lot of different artists is why they make the work. Yeah. And I think sometimes that there's so many different motivations for that. But for me, I mean, again, when you boil it down to the essence of, you know, we've been talking about listening to really lengthy podcasts, things that kind of take this little bit of time and, and reflection. And again, I can't help but think about it in terms of the way that I look at work. And certainly I like to try to learn about other work and other ways of working, but there's, I don't know, there's something interesting to me about that because I really love that aspect of something. Maybe fortunately, growing up in a time when, you know, we we're talking about the inventiveness of old Nintendo games and that, I don't know, you kind of get lost in this world of, you know, you had to like spend days trying to figure out how to use something. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they were so evil making those games because now everything's so spelt out. This is what you're supposed to do. That's what that thing does. Do this. And you could spend, you know, back then you only had maybe one or two games. And this game was so cryptic that you would spend hours of your life just trying to figure out what to do next. I love that sense of um, looking and searching and being frustrated, and, but putting the time into it. That is just, it's, that's kind of what I'm trying to put into the work as people look at it. You know, something catches them immediately, but then they have to spend the time with it to kind of start to break down the different elements and why it means something to them. And I think at the end, a lot of people do, do relate to the work. Um, it's that kind of sense of, of having a dream. I think that it seems so crystallized when you're sleeping and then as you're waking up, it becomes more and more foggy and trying to grasp it every time, every morning. I love that sense of but sometimes just trying to do something over and over and over again and maybe never succeeding. And I think that's what kind of drives me in the work. But then also I get a lot of inspiration from 
I collect vinyl, so uh, 1970s progressive rock. I mean, I love the imagery that comes from those album covers, and the music only backs the imagery up and vice versa. Um, These long songs that are so involved and take you all these different places, I'm really inspired by that as well. I mean, my wife's a quilter, um, so a lot of quilting practice I'm really interested in, you know, breaking down forms into these abstract shapes. So, I mean, my, my inspiration comes from a lot of different places. So what other, what other stuff do you have coming up on the, on the horizon? Do you kind of have uh, some shows that you're, you're working eagerly towards while, while this one is still up? Yeah. Some things are bubbling up right now. We it's, I'm kind of an interesting place right now in my practice that I'm trying to get settled here in Kansas city and all the practical things that come with that. Um, and getting my, practice established here so the show's been great the show's open till the 22nd of the month and we'll see where that goes i have some bubblings in chicago and here in kansas city and i've been in a good handful of publications one that just came out recently is uh in 22 magazine i also had work in a big published book called age of collage so that's been interesting to see where that side of my work goes because there's such a good community online interested to see where my work goes this year but yeah it took so long to build up to this show that I'm kind of in decompression mode right now. No, I, I hear exactly <laughs> what you mean. But again, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to me about it, and it's a pleasure. Well, thank you. I, I hope I made some sense talking about my work, you know. Um, but I really appreciate having the opportunity to be on. Thanks again to Scott for joining us, and please go check out his website, stateofscott.com. And remember that show at Plug Projects does run through the 22nd, so if you miss it, you can always find out more here and then go see his work in person afterwards. As the host of Studio Break, I don't always get a chance to showcase my random thoughts, but if you are interested, you can check out a recent episode of Otcast, which is a podcast put on by Philip J. Mellon. He also interviews a bunch of great artists. Please check out his recent episode with me if you want to find out more about how Studio Break works. And of course, if you want to find out about some of my artwork, you can visit davidlinaway.com. If you're a regular listener, you might have heard episode 99 and are wondering what's up. We're just simply going to get rid of all of the highlight episode numbers and integrate them so that it's not as confusing. We're going to be re-editing a bunch of episodes with the music of Skylar Mail, who has appeared on Studio Break and is a great artist as well. And we hopefully will get that done sooner than later, but it is a lengthy process, so please bear with us. Remember, you can check out all the episodes on studiobreak.com. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. Again, if you leave us feedback there, it just helps others that listen to great podcasts like Pod Crash with that Chris Gore. So please leave us some comments there. Help some others out that like podcasts. Of course, use all those handy share buttons. Please like our Facebook page, our Twitter page, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and interact with us. We really appreciate it. Kind of crazy to say, but I'm excited. We have our 100th episode coming up next week with Bill Conger. His show, The Sadded Peel, opens February 28th, runs through March 29th at 65 grand in Chicago. So it's very exciting as a milestone. And of course, we've had Bill on a number of times. He's a great friend of the podcast and a really interesting artist. So please stay tuned for that one. All right, that's all the time we have. We'll talk to you real soon. Thanks for listening.